0: absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to jumbocasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.
1: This podcast contains adult themes and language and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race and murder. Listener discretion is advised.
2: Welcome to Fruit Loop Season 2, Episode 19. Can you believe we've made it this far? <laughs> so thank you all so much for listening. Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that we don't hear or know much about. Now, contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are white dudes. No way. (laughs) Uh, There are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because, well, the news is kind of racist, allegedly.
1: <laughs> and we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy. I'm Beth. We're not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to Pod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602 935 six two nine four and we may feature it on a future episode Also, Mm -hmm. our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod, and our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. And
2: if you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash app, which you can download to your phone or you can find online at cash.me slash dollar sign Fruit Loops Pod or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean Patron page. Or if you can't help monetarily, no big deal. You can always give us a five-star review on iTunes or anywhere else you get your podcast from. And be sure to share our show with your friends. Yeah. So, who are we talking about today, Beth? Well, today's
1: episode is going to be a little bit different. We're oh. talking about Randall Sato, who is not a serial killer. He did hmm. kill one woman and was described as someone who has the potential to be a serial killer had he not been caught. And mm. in 2017, he escaped a state mental hospital in Hawaii, Ooh, Santa Maria. flew across the ocean uh, before Ooh. he was apprehended in California.
2: Ay, Dios mio. So, <laughs> how you doing?
1: I'm doing good. Um, I went to the Renaissance Festival yesterday with my son. I don't know no if you've ever been.
2: Yeah. No, I wouldn't be caught dead there. But what was it like? <laughs> I, wouldn't be caught dead there. Um, I
1: actually, I was thinking about you because it was like 90% white people. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. But there were some people of color there. Oh, okay. But a lot of them were with white people. <laughs> but but
2: nerds come in all colors. This That's right. We do. That's right, we yeah. do. black Girl nerds do rock, but um yes. one of the things about the Renaissance festival that is so black people don't fuck with like time travel. we are not interested in going back in time. <laughs> It, for any reason because it's usually terrible for us <laughs> so that's why black people are just not that interested in the renaissance festival now you got some few fu- you got some futurism some some f- like some future comic-con stuff man we are all we're all over, all, that, all over it yeah all okay. over it but anything <laughs> in the past you will not see black people hanging out at a civil civil like at a civil war re- recreation reenactment event. yeah why would you or, want or, to? <laughs> yeah. no 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 thank you sir no ma'am and we will not be seen at uh, these renaissance (laughs) festivals (laughs) but that's okay it sounds like you had a good time
1: yeah well a lot of it is people um selling their wares art and stuff Uh like that so so that was cool i found some really nice ceramics um yeah and then there's a Birds of Prey show where they uh, oh, hawks and owls and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Oh, okay. And okay. actually, the, the Arizona Renaissance Festival is huge compared to a lot of the other ones.
2: Uh, oh, really? That,
1: yeah, it's really big. And it's just oh, cool. been growing.
2: Yeah, oh. so wait where where in town is it the fairgrounds it's actually
1: no it's way out past apache junction so oh, it's oh my. east
2: yeah another part of town i do not fucked with <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah if you, it's
1: it's um on the way to
2: globe oh okay a lot of hate groups out there <laughs> <laughs> You're always Just looking the on the bright U- side Wendy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry we gotta, we gotta stay ready out here in these streets and one of those ways we do that is avoiding places knowing, where knowing people want to kill people. People. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so anyway the, it was fun my son I think I told you he's into photography and so he got some oh, really yeah. good pictures
2: mostly of the, cool.
1: the birds the birds of prey uh-huh.
2: did you eat one of those big old turkey legs that they have
1: Yeah, I I did. I don't usually, um, but the line for everything else was really long, and the shortest line was the turkey legs, so I got one. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny how that works.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, cool. I really
1: wanted to get, they had tandoori chicken, so I really wanted to get that, but uh, the line was super long. It's an Indian uh, chicken. They use a special spice on it that's really tasty. I I love Indian
2: food. Ooh, me too. I love the spice. Mm-hmm.
1: Love yes, the me too. Spice.
2: Love spices. <laughs> so how are you doing? I am I am good. Thank you for asking. I really needed this weekend. It felt like it was a really long week. So I'm sad to see the weekend end, but nothing, I don't have anything super exciting to report other than um, the fact that <laughs> I wish I discovered Spanx and gel insoles 10 years earlier in my life. Now, <laughs> uh, I I have been I don't know there's all these Instagram ads for like shapewear and I'm a sucker for a good Instagram ad so I've been buying up a lot of shapewear and um I also my I I run a lot and um my feet have been killing me like constant pain um and so I got some gel insoles and my life now has meaning. I mean, I feel it's complete. So good. I mean, so shout out to gel insoles and shapewear. My life has not been the same uh, in a good way. Uh, So I also, uh, also um, I did want to let the listeners know that we've got a gang of recommendations for the, to do an episode on the DC snipers. And we, we pay attention to all of the feedback that you guys give us all, every message, every email, every, everything we, take we we pay attention uh and listen uh so fruit loops pod squad thank you for your suggestions we have put the dc snipers on the list we are working on an episode right now um so stay tuned as we continue bringing you more fire ass content (laughs) yeah so uh now we're gonna get into our mailbag and do some listener letters (laughs) hello angels thank you for the mail Oh yes.
1: Thank you. So take it away, Beth. So Katie in our Facebook group said, Hey, Wendy and Beth, I started listening to your show last week and have been binging it since trying to catch up. Mm. The hip hop air (laughs) horn has me laughing all the time. You both have a, have great chemistry as hosts and it's refreshing to find an awesome podcast that brings POC serial colors to light. Love your show.
2: So oh, thank boo. you, we Katie. Love you yes, huh? We love you. <laughs> That's special for you, Katie. <laughs> now, um, <laughs> this was so exciting. We got a voicemail. Y'all, we yeah. have a phone number oh. and get at us and ask us questions and tell us things. So shout out to my girl Donica in Maryland. Here's her here's her voicemail. Hi, Beth and Wendy. This is Donica from Maryland. And I just want to say that I have been binge listening to y'all podcast since December, and I'm all caught up. But I just want to say thank you so much for providing the information that y'all do every week. Um, I appreciate Culture Corner every single time, and I look forward to it. So I just want to say thank you, and I definitely enjoy the podcast, like I'm pretty sure a lot of people do. But, yeah, so just continue to do what y'all do in the podcast universe, and
0: I will continue to listen. Thank you, and have a nice day.
1: All right, thanks so much,
2: Danica. Thank you, and hip hop air horns to you, sis. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, s- more thank yous. <laughs> we gotta <laughs> thank everybody who's a part of, who's a part of this fruit Loops community, fruit Loops Pod Squad. Um, we've got some new supporters that we wanted to shout out: Tara La Perla um, and Tara. I don't have any other information on you other than Tara. (laughs) So and uh, TJ Nichols. Yeah, that tickles. Uh, So hip hop air horns to both of you. And thank you for supporting our show. Um, Keep an eye out for your merch Um, to all our patrons. Thank you for your continued support. We are putting the final touches on our bonus Q&A episode. It will be um, the first thing that we post finally uh, for our patrons and we thank you for sticking with us and for being patient we will get there and we just really thank you so um now tara i wanted to mention all i know is your name is tara and um i'm newer to the cash app but i couldn't find a way to communicate with you to ask you for your address so if you are listening we want to send you merch but we need your address so please email us or dm us uh, and let us know your mailing address so we can send you some goodies Okay, girl or boy. (laughs) Uh, So uh, now we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into the story when we come back. We would like to invite any listeners who have a business to advertise to do it with us. For more information, please email us at fruitloopspod at gmail.com or check out our website at fruitloopspod.com. All right. So um, who are we talking about again today, Beth? Today we're
1: talking <laughs> about Randall Sato, a man who was found not guilty by reason of insanity to a murder that he committed in 1979 in Hawaii. He then mm. started a three-day manhunt when he escaped from the state mental hospital.
2: Oh, Golly! All right. Well, uh, now let's get into my favorite part, which this case is not s- as juicy in terms not of the stats. That but friendly. you know yeah. we'll, We're not. We're going to get into it anyway. So, brrr, oh. Oh, Uh, Randall Toshio Saito is a Hawaiian national, convicted murderer. He killed one woman in a very brutal fashion, pled insanity, and escaped only to fly across the ocean and eventually be apprehended. So, um, where did this take place, Beth? In Hawaii. Oh, have you ever been there before? I haven't, but I've always
1: wanted to go. And my parents went after they retired. My mm-hmm. do- my mom was dying to go, but my dad didn't want to. Uh, but she talked him into it, and uh, he ended up loving it, just loving it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now it's none of my beeswax, but why did your dad not want to go? You don't I have think, to answer that if you don't want to. Oh, no, it's fine.
1: <laughs> I think he imagined that they were just going to be sitting on the beach all day long. Okay. And um, like a lot of people love that. But that wasn't my dad's thing. He liked to go mm. to museums and, you know, uh, national forests, you know. Yeah. To- yeah. Places where he could learn stuff. And I don't uh-huh. think he realized how much he could learn in Hawaii. And
2: uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so when
1: yeah. he got there and, and the you know, it's well, I've never been there, so I don't know. But uh, mm-hmm. I understand it's gorgeous.
2: <laughs> it is gorgeous. And your dad was a World War II vet, right? Right, right. So there's a lot of World War II, um, like, museum-y Stuffed. kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, so I have been twice. And I went – Um, I was in the Pro Bowl halftime show in 2001. Woo-woo. <laughs> I told my parents, if you guys are watching on TV, I'm the black one. Um, But, like, <laughs> we, we went to tons of – like World War II, like we were on a ship. I think it was the USS. Arizona. Oh, yes, the USS Arizona. Yeah, so we saw that, and uh, we went to a gazillion luau's. It was like, if I go to another fucking luau, I'm going to scream. <laughs> Can I please just hang out at the beach? And then um, we <laughs> they got us, like, uh, seats on the field to watch the Pro Bowl game. And, like, the whole time I was like, this Today's episode is brought to you by Best Fiends. It was a night like any other. We just finished a live show of the podcast at Madison Square Garden. It was <laughs> nice to see Megan and Harry. You know, so nice of them to come. <laughs> then we told the pilot, hey, gas up the PJ. We out of here. Wait, gas up the PJ?
1: Megan and Harry? Shh. <laughs> Just go with it, okay?
2: Okay, okay. So,
1: Wendy, we gassed up the PJ, and then what? Well, (laughs) while we were on the PJ,
2: that's private jet for regular folks. I was wondering. We we were up in the clouds, scoring some quality time with Best Fiends. It was incredible. And the good news is, I'm on level 393. Right on. (laughs) Yes, it sounds incredible. But if Mm -hmm. your
1: head's in the clouds like Wendy in an imaginary (laughs) private jet with Megan and Harry, or your feet are firmly planted on the ground, at work, or in line at the grocery store. One thing
2: is true, Best Fiends is just playing fun. Mm, It is true. Now, Best Fiends is a free-to-download mobile puzzle game with thousands of exciting levels for new adventures and challenges
1: every time you play. There are dozens of unique fiends to collect, so you can customize your team of fiends to defeat
2: the menacing slugs. I'm sorry, I was just looking at this funny text from (laughs) Harry. Anyway, power (laughs) up your favorite fiends to new levels for even more powerful skills and watch them transform as they get stronger. With offline play, Wendy's favorite, Mm -hmm. you'll
1: never be stranded without fun, even if you lose your internet connection download your favorite getaway best fiends for free today on the app store or google play you'll even get five dollars worth
2: of in-game rewards when you reach level five that's friends without the r best fiends is not interesting. Can we please get back to the laying on the beach? Like that's all I care about. <laughs> so, and then um, I also went to Kauai with my family, which was so fun. Um, Kauai is gorgeous because it's not as touristy as like the, the big oh, island. So it was know. a it was like, yeah, it was really it was really beautiful. Um we went to the beach a lot. We did family stuff. We we went to like Russian forts. It was great. So, um I recommend going to Hawaii if you want to like if you can I and do. get away. It's a really beautiful part of our country. So I do want to go. Yeah. S- yeah. Um so um Tell us more about Hawaii.
1: So people may not realize that the kingdom of Hawaii was colonized, basically stolen from the Hawaiians. Uh, Mm -hmm. They were the only independent non-white nation in the world that had not been colonized
2: by a white European entity. That makes them super dope in my eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, Hawaii was the 50th state to join the union. And the way the U.S. went about it is some fuck boy shit so <laughs> we'll start at the beginning also barack obama my favorite president was born there <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Hey. so polynesians <laughs> arrived in hawaii uh, about 1500 years ago after navigating the ocean using only the stars to guide them and i believe they were also in canoes so oh yeah. cool, cool cool so they were isolated from the rest of the world until 1778 when Captain James Cook landed at Waimea Bay on the island of Kauai, becoming Mm -hmm. the first European to make contact with the Hawaiian Islands. And -hmm. this began a long period of Western influence. And in 1835, the first sugar plantation opened on Kauai. The Hawaiian okay. Islands garnered recognition for their prime agricultural land, and agriculture became a dominant economic force. And guess what happens then? Hey, added to
2: America's greatest hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, it's you know somebody posted something, and I think it was in our Facebook discussion group. It was a poetry jam, and the poetress, the poetry woman, uh, was a black woman. Um, I think it was about white privilege, but one of the things that stuck out to me in her spoken word poem uh, was how are you going to, how are you colonizers going to come in uh, and say that you found a place that was never lost. And I thought of, I thought of this episode, like Hawaii was fine. (laughs) So um, by the 1850s, Hawaii's plantation production was on the rise and a need for more labor is realized. The first workers were recruited from China Workers also make their way to the islands from Japan, Korea, the Philippines, and Portugal. Japan actually organized and gave special protection to its people, who comprised about 25% of the Hawaiian population by
1: 1896. And in the 1880s and 1890s, the Kingdom of Hawaii was ruled by a king and queen who traveled the world. Hawaiians had their own language, their own customs, religious beliefs, and practices. Hawaii had a monarchy, but it included democratic officials with different branches of government. It just didn't look like the United States of America's democracy. Hawaii had strong fruit and sugar industries.
2: So in 1887, King Kalakaua was forced through the use of intimidation by the armed militia to sign the Constitution of the Kingdom of Hawaii, which was a legal document prepared by anti-monarchists to strip the Hawaiian monarchy of much of its authority, initiating a transfer of power to American, European, and Native Hawaiian elites. It became known as the Bayonet Constitution because of the threat of force used in the process of its signing.
1: It also disenfranchised the rights of most Hawaiian nationals and Asian citizens to vote. Through excessively mm. high property and income requirements. They had to own land, and this mm. gave a sizable advantage to plantation owners.
2: In 1891, uh, King Kalakua died and Queen Liliukalani Ascended to the throne. Queen Lily Ukalani attempted to restore royal powers in 1893. She was actually pretty dope. She limited the ability of white businessmen from coming in and doing their business nonsense. And the US businessmen did not like that. Surprise, surprise. And mm. the US government conducted, yes, mm, I, mm. Uh, this story is all too familiar. familiar uh, so, yeah. yes. <laughs> And the U.S. government conducted a coup, but it was super sneaky and slow. She was placed under house arrest by businessmen with help from the U.S. military. Against the Queen's wishes, the Republic of Hawaii was formed.
1: And then cut to limiting Native Hawaiians' rights and prostituting the nation. And in Mm. 1898, Hawaii was annexed by the United States through the New Lands Resolution as the Territory of Hawaii. Hawaiians did not want the annex. They had a sophisticated society of their own
2: and most Hawaiians were happy under the Queen's rule. Now, Native Hawaiians' uh, non-whiteness challenges Americanness, specifically United States of Americanness. We forget that it's part of American imperialism's greatest hits, as I mentioned before. In Mm -hmm. 1959... It was given statehood, but was taken as part of the military-industrial complex expanding during the Cold War. Americans introduced the concept of race, and it was pretty effective in dividing people, making conquering them easier. Uh, Sound familiar? Ever heard of it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, Hawaiian's economy is driven by tourism. Of course, we all know that. But surprisingly, it's also very driven by the military. And they they go, the two go hand in hand. As I said, you know, when I went and visited, one of the things that we paid to go visit was the USS Arizona, Arizona and all the other like World War Two museumy things. Right. Um So um Hawaiians refer to themselves as Hawaiian nationals, not native Hawaiians, and they want their stolen land back and I do not blame them. Right. <laughs> so now we are going to get into our subject Saito's early life. So, hit it, Beth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we could not find a whole lot about Randall Sato, unfortunately, his early life. Yeah. Um we do know that he is Japanese. And mm-hmm. my understanding is that before the U.S. took over in Hawaii, Japan was making intense efforts to expand and had its eye on Hawaii. Japan and Hawaii at one time had a contentious relationship that they would try from time to time to mend via even a marriage between the prince of one nation and the princess of the other. But that was declined.
2: The continued presence of the Japanese Navy and Japan's opposition to the Hawaii uh, the overthrow led to a concern that Japan might use military force to restore Liliuokalani to her throne as a Japanese puppet, if you will. Anti-Japanese sentiment heightened, the Japanese diaspora and its individual members known as Nikkei or Nikkei-jin, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that perfect, are the Japanese immigrants from Japan and their descendants that reside in a foreign country.
1: According to the Association of Nekei and Japanese abroad, and also apologize for pronunciation, there are about three point eight million Nekei living in their adopted countries. The largest of these foreign communities are in Brazil, the United States, the Philippines, China, Canada, and Peru. All right. As of
2: 2018, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs report that the top five countries with the highest number of Japanese expatriates are the U.S., as we said, China, Australia, Thailand, and Canada. Japanese are the second largest ethnic group in Hawaii. And uh, Sato uh, himself said that he worked as a
1: government employee for the state of Hawaii before he became addicted to drugs. But uh, we can't verify this, but that's what he said.
2: Now we are going to get into the timeline. So what do you got for us, Beth? On
1: July 1st, 1979, 29-year-old Sandra Yamashiro was leaving the Ala Moana Center and headed to her car when 21-year-old Randall Sato attacked her. She was a complete stranger to him and was chosen at random. In the unprovoked attack, Sato shot Sandra Yamashiro in the face with a pellet mm. rifle in the Ala Omana oh Center parking lot in Honolulu. He then mm-hmm. asked if she was okay before <coughs> repeatedly stabbing her with a knife.
2: <laughs> All right.
1: Then he hopped into a car with his girlfriend and they drove off like nothing happened.
2: Okay, that's, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty, that's wild. weird. Yeah. <laughs> Very weird. And also, uh, the word Moana just makes me want to sing the song, the soundtrack from the movie. Have you seen it?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, I love it. So good.
2: Moana. Uh. Anyway, Back to the story. Four months later, Saito's ex-girlfriend turned him in. Saido later claimed that at the time of the murder, he was dealing with addiction. Um, I was in bad shape, he said. I was paranoid. I was doing PCP. Uh, I was doing speed. I was doing LSD. Everything I could get my hands on. And I was drinking on top of that. Now, I've heard that PCP literally makes people kill people. I don't know anything about it, though, other than that yeah, I don't know a whole lot about it, except for
1: they scared the shit out of us when I was a teenager. and And I never wanted to
2: because it sounded crazy. It does sound crazy. I've seen enough yeah. of intervention the the people who do PCP on intervention to know. That's one that I'm going to have to stay away from. Going to have to pass on that grass.
0: <laughs> yes, pass on
2: that grass. Yeah, my plan is once once I'm receiving Social Security and um, have nothing more to lose in life, that uh, I I do plan to start to try some hard drugs and just try uh, a little, this this little will not be one of them yeah yeah it's, it's on my it's on my to-do list i just i just have to wait until not pcp i don't have anything to lose yes exactly
1: <laughs> so in 1981 saido was acquitted by reason of insanity for the 1979 murder he was reportedly diagnosed with sexual sadism and necrophilia or the sexual attraction to corpses Prosecutors opposed his acquittal. At the time, the city prosecutor vehemently disagreed with the decision, calling his acquittal a miscarriage of justice. The defendant committed a cold-blooded murder, the prosecutor said. More recently, state officials described Sato as a violent psychopath.
2: Okay, so um, I- I'm troubled by how they can claim all these things by this one event that um occurred, um, right? But what do I know? So we should talk a little bit about the insanity defense. And according to a New York Times article that we read, uh, a 2017 study conducted by the National Association of uh, of State Mental Health Program Directors, uh, more than 10,000 mentally ill Americans who haven't been convicted of a crime, people who have been found not guilty by reason of insanity, or who have been arrested, but found incompetent to stand trial, are involuntarily confined to psychiatric hospitals. But even a contributor to the study concedes that no one knows the exact number. And that's crazy. Yeah, uh, you're telling me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And actually, not much is known about the confinement of forensic patients, people committed to psychiatric hospitals by the criminal justice system. Because no federal agency is charged with monitoring them. Oh, great. No national registry or organization tracks how long they have been incarcerated
2: or why. Well, we can add that to our country's greatest hits as well, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, Michael Bien, a lawyer who helped bring a successful lawsuit against the California prison system on behalf of prisoners with psychiatric illnesses, says, "Under Constitution of Law, they're supposed to be incarcerated only if they're getting treatment, and only if the treatment is likely to restore sanity." Oh my God, what a brilliant concept! <laughs> uh, he says, "You can't just punish someone for having mental illness, but that is exactly what is." happening yeah we know it sucks yeah yeah
1: the insanity defense has been part of the american judicial system from its founding british law Mm. has long reflected the moral sense that society has a duty not to punish people who can't comprehend or control their crimes but people don't like the insanity defense as they often see it as a means to escape justice
2: come on guys (laughs) (laughs) i I, I mean do let's let's be like the great melania trump says let's be best what is her stupid ass campaign i don't remember something like that she copied it from michelle obama I'm anyway uh, <laughs> i'm not trying to kill you here These is just facts i just started joking
1: <laughs> i think it is be best Okay.
2: Yeah. Let's, let's be best, but be best, best by it, guys. be best. <laughs> be best. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, but um, <clears throat> despite its reputation as a, as a get out of jail free card, the insanity defense has never been an easy way out or even easy to get. A defendant may be found incompetent to stand trial and committed for rehabilitation. If the defendant is rehabilitated, he or she may be tried. If they cannot be, they may languish in a psychiatric hospital for years or even decades, as Mr. Said. Right.
1: Or a defendant may be found mentally ill and still competent enough to stand trial. At that point, the district attorney may offer an insanity plea. And about 90 percent of not guilty by reason of insanity verdicts are plea deals. But Mm. if the district attorney doesn't offer a plea or the defendant doesn't take it, the case will go to trial. The defendant may still choose insanity as a defense, but then the case will be decided by a jury. And remember, people don't like that defense. So it very rarely works. Does a jury ever. Yeah. Find for the defendant.
2: Although I wonder if more POCs are on these juries. If they, if, if that could change again, I've said, I've said this before and I'll say it again. You don't want to get jury duty. Just be a black woman. Cause they are not <laughs> chicken for us to be on any goddamn jury. They don't want us. <laughs> <laughs> now. So I wonder, I wonder if that might be different. If the makeup of, of juries looks different. Uh, again, I've been to many trials, not cause I'm like a criminal or anything, but just like in my line of work. And I, I have never seen a black woman on a jury. So, really? Wow. Yep. Not in this county. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, when the um, not guilty by reason of insanity defense or NGRI, as we'll refer to it throughout uh, from here on out, uh, defense does succeed, it tends to resemble a conviction more than an acquittal. NGRI patients can wind. Up With longer, not shorter periods of incarceration, as they are pulled into a mental health system that can be harder to leave than a prison, I didn't know that, yeah, for example, in nineteen eighty
1: three the Supreme Court ruled in Jones versus the United States that it wasn't a violation of due process to commit NGRI defendants automatically and indefinitely for the safety of the public, and uh, that was a case in which uh Michael Jones, who was a paranoid schizophrenic, had been hospitalized since 1975 after pleading ngri to petty larceny for trying to steal a jacket.
2: Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, so there are two considerations here what is good for the defendant, and also the safety of the public. And balancing those two interests is hard to achieve. And all this adds up to a difficult path to freedom for NGRIs.
1: In most states, the courts have final review over forensic releases and transfers, and judges have the prerogative to side with the prosecution regardless of what doctors advise. And politics can determine if a person will stay locked up for a really long time, regardless of whether it's safe to let them go. Elected judges fearing bad publicity may refuse to release an offender into the community.
2: Speaking of elected judges, I um, took your recommendation to listen to um, Preet barara's latest or, or second to latest podcast the one uh-huh. he li- he liked her tweet about,
0: <laughs> about with um, Brian
2: with Brian Stevenson uh-huh. and Brian's opinion is that we should not elect judges yes because their I decisions agree. are based on re-election Politics, and not yeah. true justice yeah yeah um so I, I just wanted I, I saw I saw the the phrase elect judges and I was like I gotta say something so um yes
1: I agree it's a big problem uh as I, I agree, was reading 100%. about this
2: it was like yeah that that's not good <laughs> No nope, it's not it's not working so well guys Mm-mm, um no. and one of the things that um Brian Stevenson mentioned in his um conversation with Prebara is that there was there was some decision that the courts were faced with deciding upon and essentially they said this is just too big for us to decide so sorry we're just gonna deny it like uh and and uh that is not good that's our system we yeah there needs to be people more invested in carrying it out properly um so uh, anyway this is this is obviously a a a discussion we could have for days um that we're not gonna solve here but it's just it is something to to something to think about yeah for sure yes So back to Saito. In 1990, Saito got married on the grounds of the Hawaii State Hospital to a woman who had worked at uh, or worked there uh, as a patient advocate. According to court records, that that marriage lasted 10 years and they divorced in 2000. In 1993, Saito appeared in court
1: asking a circuit judge to rule that he was no longer mentally ill or dangerous. Defense psychologist Dr. Marvin Acklin performed a psychological evaluation of Saito and wrote that, in his opinion, Saito did not
2: represent an imminent danger to himself or others. But... Other mental health experts thought otherwise. An FBI criminal behavior expert said that Saito was extremely dangerous, going as far as saying he was one of the most dangerous men they'd ever seen. This was in part based (laughs) on some violent threats that Saito had made. He allegedly said, That when he got released, he was going to go to California. I guess that's where his brother lived. He was going to go to California. He was going to buy a gun. And then he was going to come back to Hawaii and blow away the whole damn staff.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The deputy state prosecutor said that Randall Saito is a very disturbed, mentally ill individual, number one. Number two, he's a very dangerous individual with respect to whom all the predictors indicate that if he were to be released, he would kill again.
2: Okay, so I also want to throw this out there about um, how the system, these mental health professionals, these um, law enforcement people, judges, DAs, etc. view somebody of color. Um, my understanding was that Randall Saito was a, a, a large imposing figure and he was non-white. And so I wonder if some of these, some of these conclusions they drew on him had to do with his physical appearance. Yeah. I'm just showing yeah, sure.
1: it out there. Yeah. And, and that last quote was from a state prosecutor. So, You have to take it
2: Mm -hmm. with a grain of salt. Yeah. Y'all know how Wendy feels about prosecutors. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Except for that dope ass one in Philadelphia, who's really turning the system on its head. I can't think of his name, but everybody knows how dope he is. So anyway, Google it. (laughs) Philadelphia Philadelphia DA changing shit up. (laughs) Um, So Saito continuously sought to get released from the state hospital. The only forensic psychiatrist, or psychiatric facility in the islands. Saito filed numerous motions requesting unescorted off-ground passes, all of which were denied. During one of those efforts, state prosecutors said that Saito fit all the criteria of a serial killer and opposed his release. Deputy Prosecuting Attorney Jeffrey
1: Albert stated that he is a psychopathic predator whose mental condition continues to represent a serious danger to the community. And according to court records, in his most recent request in 2015, two of the three doctors who evaluated Sayuto found him mentally unfit. Two
2: out of three doctors agree. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, me, oh, my. So, all right. uh, The report said assessments in the past have shown problems with lack of empathy, lack of remorse, and failure to accept responsibility. And that Saito continues to be superficial in his relationships with others and manipulative. Um, The doctors assessed Saito in 2015 as a moderate risk of danger to the community unless under strict supervision. But hospital staff called
1: the patient Randy and they said he was a charming, likable guy. Saito has admitted to having romantic relationships with female staff at the hospital. Documents from 1993 revealed that Sayuto had sexual relations with at least three hospital staff members. Sayuto has been known for his manipulative nature, and sources say sexual relations took place on multiple occasions, where he was also (gasps) able to obtain contraband, such as cell phones and pornography
2: santa maria oh my gosh that's oh my gosh man <laughs> well you know what the same thing happens in prison too yeah
1: uh
2: the sex drive is pretty strong <laughs> yeah yes it is um i haven't i haven't checked out yet that um movie about the lady the prison guard white lady who helped the two dudes escape oh yeah and yeah i watched that
1: one that was yeah it was yeah good. oh was it good Yeah, it was That's what this reminds me of. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. How we care for our minds affects how we experience life. So
2: it's important to invest time and care into keeping them
1: healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps. But there's also BetterHelp online
2: therapy. Now we are huge advocates for mental health here at Freak's HQ. Oh yes. And we have both used therapy throughout our lives, including BetterHelp. And especially in these past several years, to help us deal with challenging times, Mm -hmm. challenging thoughts, feelings, and experiences. Amen. Yes. And now I had a recent, you know, conversation with my therapist. She was saying, sometimes it's just good to talk and get some perspective. You don't yeah. have to go to a therapist just because stuff is wrong. So
1: Right, right. And BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And some people get really anxious about that. So
2: Oh, yes. And it is much
1: more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash fruit. That's h slash fruit. Today's episode is brought to you by
2: Best Fiends. It was a night like any other. We just finished a live show of the podcast at Madison Square Garden. It was <laughs> nice to see Megan and Harry. You know, so nice of them to come. <laughs> then we told the pilot, hey, gas up the PJ, we out of here. Wait, gas up the PJ?
1: Megan and Harry? shh. <laughs> just go with it, okay?
2: Okay, okay.
1: So, Wendy, we gassed up the PJ, and then what? Well, (laughs) while we were
2: on the PJ, that's private jet for regular folks. (laughs) I was wondering. We we were up in the clouds, scoring some quality time with Best Fiends. It was incredible. And the good news is, I'm on level 393. Right on. (laughs) Yes, it sounds incredible,
1: but if Mm -hmm. your head's in the clouds like Wendy in an imaginary (laughs) private jet with Megan and Harry, or your feet are firmly planted on the ground at work or in line at the grocery store.
2: One thing is true, Best Fiends is just playing fun. Mm, It is true. Now, Best Fiends is a free-to-download mobile puzzle game with thousands of exciting levels for new adventures and challenges every time you play. There are dozens of unique fiends to collect, so you can customize your team of fiends to defeat the menacing slugs. I'm sorry, I was just looking at this funny text from (laughs) Harry. Anyway, power up your favorite (laughs) fiends to new levels for even more powerful skills and watch them transform as they get stronger. With offline play, Wendy's
1: favorite, Mm -hmm. you'll never be stranded without fun, even if you lose your internet connection. Download your favorite getaway, Best Fiends for free today on the App Store or Google Play. You'll even get $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the r, Best Fiends. Yeah. 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 Escape from Danamora. I think it
2: was called. Escape from Danamora. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, Google, I'm gonna add it to my list as soon as give I'm it a The show, <laughs> yes, give, give it a go. <laughs> oh, Beth, uh, you going to hit your Earhorn for that because that was pretty funny.
1: <laughs> I stole that from somebody else, so I can't take uh, credit for that one.
2: <laughs> oh well, I love you anyway. Um, he also. had been permitted to be escorted home for weekend conjugal visits over a two-year period, and his trips away from the mental hospital inspired a law change in 2003 when a state attorney general found that mental patients at the state hospital didn't have a legal right to conjugal visits. And I heard in, um, in my research in doing this is that the neighbors, like the people who lived around the hospital did not know that prisoners were allowed to leave and like hang out
1: like walking around and (laughs)
2: yeah Uh, excuse me
1: so although Saito was considered a psychopath unable to feel empathy for others according to some he was not getting the treatment he needed because he was refusing psychotherapy and um from what I understand psychotherapy doesn't really help psychopaths. Said that it only before. makes yeah, it only makes them worse. And is he really a psychopath? I, I don't know. But yeah. in any case, an FBI behavioral expert stated that the improper affairs along with Saito's alcohol abuse made him even more threatening. I don't know why, but that's what he said. Or she.
2: Okay. Okay. I mean, FBI is pretty official, so mm-hmm. sure, so whatever. they must. I don't know.
1: <laughs> they must know what they're talking I don't know. about. I guess I don't know. <laughs> you know.
2: Well, okay. When we when we watch, because one of the bonus episodes we're going to do is about our our review on Thirteenth, and mm-hmm. one of the things you know, I've seen Thirteenth a few times, one of the things that's interesting to point out is uh, you find that with regard to POC and poor people's leaders such as Martin Luther King, Stokely Carmichael, um, Malcolm X. The the FBI is a heavy part of the narrative. Um and mm. so I, I I am I mean, I know the FBI is official, but like I just You're I don't know if I. 100 I a hundred I'm I'm kinda suspicious that kind of mm-hmm. you know not I'm not a hundred percent on board that they are like uh you know always doing they know what the, the fuck the they're right, talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I so okay. So that's that's just me. Watch 13th. Maybe you'll agree. I don't know. Um, but anyway, on uh November 12th, 2017, Randall Saito walked out, he just walked out of the Hawaii State Hospital at 9 a.m., empty-handed, and no backpack, no supplies for his escape. He walked one mile to Keniohi Community Park, and along the way, at about 9.16, he called for a cab.
1: I asked him where he was, and that's when he said he was going to be at the park, said the Charlie's taxi dispatcher. She said that Sayeto identified himself as Bill. I told him I'm going to be tracking my driver because that's a female and she's going to a park, she said, adding that she was a little concerned about the call because normally we don't send drivers into parks.
2: A little strange for the time. At 10 mm-hmm. a- 10.08 a.m., the driver arrived. Surveillance video inside the cab caught the exchange. Hi, Bill. How are you? The driver asked. Great, he says, and complains about the distance. Oh, my God, quite a walk. She didn't ask him where he was walking from? (laughs) (laughs) Quite a walk from the mental
1: hospital. (laughs) Uh, Oh, boy. The surveillance video clearly shows that when Saito got into the cab, he had a backpack stuffed with supplies, including an iPhone with a portable charger. During the ride, he begins to text on the phone, then starts rifling through the backpack as if he's seeing what's inside for the first time. At one point, he asks the driver to hurry. Do you want to play the taxi
2: driver or Sayita? I'll do, I'll do the taxi driver. Okay. Um... <clears throat> This is the fastest way to Nimitz, to Lagoon. I'm making a flight, that's why. Oh, shoot. Okay, what time does the plane leave? Well, I've gotten till
1: 10.30. Oh, no. Yeah, so they're going to leave without me. <laughs> and
2: scene. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That was terrible. But anyway, you get the idea.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Saito <laughs> then called the charter company to let them know he's running late. The driver pulled into a charter plane company off Lagoon Drive just after 1030. Well, that was pretty quick because it was 1008 when he got yeah. in. Uh, where a charter plane was waiting for him. He had booked the flight ahead of time using another name, and he paid $1,445 cash. Unlike commercial planes, chartered planes do not require TSA security checks. <laughs> Convenient. Yeah,
1: yeah. And and it may sound strange that he chartered a plane, but apparently that's pretty common in Hawaii to go from island to island on chartered planes. Oh, Interesting.
2: Oh okay, okay.
1: When I first read that like, he chartered a plane, but yeah, apparently it's pretty common. So,
2: well, and, and people do it on, you know, stateside to to do their Instagram flexing, you know what I mean? Like you can you can rent a charter plane. It doesn't have to go anywhere, but you can like rent it for like a few hundred bucks just to get some pictures taken in front of it. So, it's oh, like Oh really? You know, yeah, girl, huh. the flex on the ground. Oh, yeah. Huh. <laughs> Never even thought about doing that. Not for a second. Well, it's not <laughs> my to-do list, but I know that some of the youngins are out here doing that nonsense. Lil okay, Bow Wow, okay. I see you. <laughs> so it was
1: at the uh, hangar where the chartered plane was that he changed his clothes. He dumped the Aloha shirt that he was wearing and the red jacket, uh, which were later recovered by police. He changed it into a black jacket. And this is totally different. A white printed Aloha shirt.
2: <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> and a ball cap.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then boarded the plane to Maui. The charter flight landed in Maui just after 11.30 a.m., and he headed to the terminal to check in for Hawaiian Airlines Flight 46.
2: Law enforcement sources say he bought the ticket on Travelocity and got through security line's Using an alias. Less than an hour later, about twelve twenty-five p.m., flight forty-six left Hawaii for San Jose, California. The plane landed at about five thirty p.m. Hawaii time, uh, and more than nine hours after his escape. So um, I don't know. I just I love San Jose. That's where I was born and raised. Hello, oh, what's right. up, San Jose? Yeah. Hey, I live there too. <laughs> hey, let's give San Jose a hip hop air airline. Shout out to Capitol <laughs> <laughs> Expressway, the flea market, drive it movie theater, woo woo. Moff Hill Woo! Moff Hill grocery store. Woo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um, although the plane landed uh, nine hours after his escape, uh, the state health department had not yet notified police and state sheriff's oh, no. deputies that he was gone so he arrived in california on sunday night two hours before the state hospital informed police that he was missing
2: now when i say this is fuckery <laughs> this is what i'm yeah. referring to this is some absolute fuckery the moment they knew this man was gone they should have let somebody know um yeah. okay but You know, when we know when we know better, we do better. So I I don't think that would fly in 2019. I don't know. I don't know. I I could be wrong. This was only a couple of years ago. So not that long ago. And there are still politicians out here thinking that it's okay to do blackface if it was for a costume party. So Uh, everybody uh, is a little bit behind. Yeah. So now we are going to get into the investigation and arrest. Officials said that uh, Saito was able to walk away from the hospital because hospital staff didn't follow supervision protocols. At about 7.30 p.m. on November 12th, hospital staff finally called 911 to report Saido's disappearance. And about two <laughs> hours after he arrived in San Ho, an all points bulletin was issued at 8.30 p.m.
1: Hawaiian authorities began searching for Saido. This is a dangerous individual. We need him off the streets, said State Attorney General Doug Chen. The state is in close contact with law enforcement to make this happen.
2: On Tuesday, November 14th, 2017, Saido called a cab from a hotel in Stockton, California. That driver didn't have a good feeling about Saido, saying he talked to her at length and came off as weird. She said Saido told her during the ride that he was ultimately trying to get someone to take him to Nevada, um, Las Vegas, or Lake Tahoe, either one. I'm going to be here for a short, brief amount of time, he said. That night, as
1: she was watching the news, uh, she saw Sato's picture. I looked up and I was like, whoa, he was in my cab yesterday, she said. (laughs) I had a psychopath loose in my cab with me. I feel very blessed that I'm alive. (laughs) Shout
2: out to you, sis. I'm happy you are alive, too. Amen. Uh, (laughs) She called her dispatcher and told her he'd likely be calling back again for another ride. And on Wednesday morning on November 15th, he did saido called yellow cab again requesting the same driver but she refused so yellow cab sent someone else to pick him up and also called authorities all right now we're getting somewhere yeah deputies
1: from san joaquin county sheriff's office swooped in when the cab driver stopped at a gas station a man who witnessed the scene said there was cop cars everywhere he said that law enforcement converged on the area very quickly they all just swarmed in. They handled it amazingly. And Saito was arrested without incident at about ten thirty AM.
2: Woo <laughs> Got him. <laughs> when arrested, he had more than six thousand dollars in cash and high quality fake. Washington state and Illinois driver's licenses bearing his photo with different names. According to authorities, Saito had planned his escape well in advance. The proof being that his ticket to California was purchased online and he paid for both his cab ride and his charter flight in cash using an assumed name.
1: And a medical staffer at the Hawaii state hospital who had worked with Saito said that he's a master at getting people to do what he wanted. While the staffer didn't know how Sayedo got out, he thought Saito had outside help and was planning an escape for a while because of his manipulative nature. He's a smart guy. He's not impulsive. It was not an impulsive act. He had some planning. He had to have had someone on the outside.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Saido gave many interviews after his arrest. And by the way, I couldn't find any. Did you? What? Yeah. Yeah, I found some. Oh. Well, maybe I wasn't looking that hard. <laughs> anyway, because <laughs> uh, I wanted to know what he sounded like, but I, right. I, I'll i have to go back, I guess. Um, he said he came to California after escaping a psychiatric hospital in Hawaii for safety and so that he could prove himself. I want people of Stockton to know that I didn't come here to hunt them down or hurt people. He said the woman I murdered in 1979, God bless her soul. I have regretted it every day since that day it happened. He claimed that he
1: did not feel safe at the Hawaii State Hospital. Sayuda said, I've been at the Hawaii State Hospital for 37 years and during that time my behavior has been nothing less than exemplary. I've never assaulted staff or patients even though I've been assaulted by staff and patients.
2: Now I do believe that. Now um, yeah. this is another problem with our system is that we uh we um don't pay people who work um like as orderlies and things like that um enough for them to like um we pay really them shit high- yeah we pay them shit and so like we just had this hacienda heights fiasco in, yeah. in, uh, in phoenix up the it's actually up the street from my house <laughs> oh wow um yeah uh and um this is an individual who wasn't paid very much to take extremely good care of people who really needed it um and you know i think i just i just think that that needs to be examined when you don't yeah when you don't pay people
1: very much then you don't get you don't always get the best quality
2: yeah 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 so anyway The Hacienda Heights thing is where an orderly um, had sex with a patient who was in a vegetative state and then all of a sudden there's a baby coming out. Yeah, all of a sudden Um, she had a baby. baby, Yeah, yeah. all of a sudden she had a baby. The baby's fine. The woman is fine. The the man has been arrested um, and charged. But, um, you know, something we got to think about should not happen. Yeah, it should not have happened. You're right. Um, Saito claimed that he came to Stockton because he went to high school in Lodi and used to hang out in town. He said that he left because he was desperate to have some kind of proof that he could be in the community without messing up, quote unquote, and that, um, the hospital had no intention of releasing him. Well, of course not. You killed somebody really badly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He also stated that he was not a sex offender or a psychopath. He added that the necrophilia is my fault. I use that as an excuse to get into the state hospital from the get go in 1979, which I don't know uh, why what? he would say that, because I don't think that's something that would get you into the State Hospital. But anyway, Saito would not say how he was able to pay his way to California, but ultimately took responsibility for his actions. The truth is, I did what I did. I'm culpable. I'm very sorry, but I can't change it.
2: Well, maybe claiming necrophilia just sort of puts you automatically in the psychopath like a uh, bucket. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: but they, they jail psychopaths. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know why that would... Uh, you'd be uh better off saying that you didn't know why you did that, or you know, I don't know, maybe. But maybe he thought that it. I don't know. I don't. know That's
2: what I'm. I'm I was just thinking that maybe he thought it would put him in the psychopath um bucket, and that he would have a better shot at getting into a hospital versus the prison, and that's why he brought that up. I mean, he's obviously right. a really smart guy. You know what I mean? So well, yeah, he um, escaped
1: from a mental hospital and flew across the <laughs> <Asia>, ocean. <so. laughs>
2: Yeah, undetected. (laughs) So uh, anyway, a state attorney general's office investigation found no single employee directly responsible for the escape. A nearly 1,600-page redacted copy of the report doesn't offer any significant details into how Saito was able to escape and fly to California before authorities were notified he was missing. Lax oversight contributed to
1: Saito's escape, the report said. The absence of comprehensive procedures to account for patients' whereabouts, the lack of communication between staff performing different functions, and the relaxing of patient oversight contributed not only to Saito's being able to escape from the facility, but to an 11-hour delay in reporting this escape,
2: it said. Patient counts were not conducted on the day Saito escaped because staff members didn't have time to do them. According to an unnamed employee interviewed for the report um that's what he said saido had established and continued to reap the benefits of an honor system quote unquote whereby he was free to roam the grounds unsupervised and everyone expected him to return to his unit at the end of the day the report said
1: after saido's escape six hospital employees were placed on off-duty status Two have since retired, and the other four have been reinstated. No employees were disciplined. The state would have difficulty establishing just and proper cause for disciplining a union employee, the report said. And no employees provided Saido with the materials that helped him escape
2: motherfucker just walked out with nothing yep, <laughs> so yep. uh yeah. michael <laughs> michael green saito's attorney says saito got help from someone not at the hospital but at a, a place called the Kulao clubhouse the clubhouse is a few blocks away from the state hospital and is a place where patients can go for additional services green says saito was able to get three fake IDs from his visitors and he wants the state to show records of who visited Saito at this facility. So now we're going to get into the part where we talk about where are they now?
1: Take it away, Beth. Saito was indicted on one count of escape in the second degree and four counts of identity theft in the first degree. Bail was confirmed in the amount of $500,000 cash He is being held as a pretrial felon at the Oahu Community Correctional
2: Center, unless he posts bail. If Saito were to post the $500,000 cash bail, he would not be released into the community, but would return to the custody of Hawaii State Hospital. Right now, trial is set for June of 2019. Buckle up, everybody. But (laughs) that could change Saido faces yeah. up to 25 years in prison. And
1: in December of
2: 2018,
1: the investigation into how Saido escaped was concluded. According to the Department of Health director at the state hospital, Saido was considered a model patient and not a flight risk. The problem was one of complacency with regard to Randall Saido in particular. He was there for 30-some years, and people got used to the idea of him being there. He never had any problems up to the point of his escape. And if there's some blame at all, it's that everyone was complacent about the issue.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. And also the things we've already talked about. Right. Uh, Security fencing has been installed. Patients are now tracked and accounted for three times a day and are fitted with ankle and waist restraints off campus i just I just hate the restraint part, I just mm-hmm. think it's so dehumanizing, but uh whatever gotta I gotta do what here. you gotta do uh, yeah. yeah, the use of the uh Kulao clubhouse uh which low risk patients used to socialize was suspended uh but uh Googleisha tells us that it's now up and running again, so all right, <laughs> all right, so now we're gonna get into uh what we believe made the killer snap, so Tell me what you think, Beth.
1: So this was a tough one because we don't know anything about his early life. Uh, I mean, we searched and searched and searched, and all of the stories were about the escape, and uh, we could barely find anything about the crime that he committed. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. When you look up the when you look up the crime, even even when you Google the victim's name, it's all all, all the information about, is about yeah him.
1: about his escape. So um but if I were to guess based on his statement that he was doing a lot of drugs at the time I would guess that he had a psychotic break. And I I witnessed this once myself when my brother was doing meth or uh mm-hmm. we're pretty sure that he was doing meth but he wouldn't admit to it. But he thought that there was a guy living in our attic and that mm-hmm. the guy was going through the house using what my brother called highways in the walls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he was completely serious and he tried to show us how the guy was coming and going through the vents. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it's, I'm imagining that he, he had something like that and he was paranoid and he thought that this woman was somebody who she wasn't, or he, yeah. he was scared of her for some reason or angry with her, but he didn't even know her. So, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah it's a mystery. Yeah, yeah it is You're a right. mystery. Yeah. Could have been the doing drugs. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> my baby's my doing baby drugs. My baby was doing
2: drugs. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't even. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to Loretta. <laughs>
1: It could have been a drug induced (laughs) psychosis or he could have been mentally ill or maybe he's a psychopath. I I really don't know. It's hard to say. Mm.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever know. But uh, look, if Oprah decides to do an interview of this individual. I will be tuning in. Um, (laughs) But it is it is crazy what substances can do to one's psyche. Um, yeah. how it really can lead to alcohol induced psychosis or, um, drug, uh, fueled psychosis. It's, 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 it's wild. Cause, you yeah. know, I mean, or like those guys
1: that oh, in Florida, I think, uh, uh-huh. both of the cases that I read in Florida, Florida, uh, man, <laughs> Florida,
2: man, watch out for him.
1: <laughs> what were they doing? Um, bath salts or something. The, the one. Yes! And he ate ate that dude's face. He ate his face. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yeah. Drugs, they're bad.
2: (laughs) Drugs are bad. Drugs, drugs. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Up with hope, down with dope. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Dave Chappelle. Um, So... Um, I'm, I'm honestly drawing a blank on this one I didn't find anything about his childhood like you, military service or any other institutionalizations, it's a mystery to me, um, but this is fucked up. So, yeah, that is some fucked <laughs> so, up shit. This is some fucked up <laughs> shit, bro. Uh, so, <laughs> now we're going to get into our takeaways. So, I'll start if you'll let me. Um, Go ahead. I think that we need more mental health inpatient facilities and better run facilities for violent offenders with mental health issues. It's a big ass problem. One that those in power, i.e., politicians and the courts, don't have the balls to solve. Again, I mentioned that Preparara episode with Brian Stevenson, where he cited um, a court decision where within a de- it was it was the wrong decision for the court to make. But one of the judges uh, wrote a dissent, um, basically saying, "You guys." This is a big ass problem. Clearly, you don't have the balls to solve it. like so yeah. um i'm 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 piggybacking on that. but seriously, um, get a group of women. Uh, P.O.C.s, L.G.B.T.Q. people with disabilities and mental illness, and victims of uh, the prison industrial complex in a room, and I'm confident that all those people will be able to solve this problem. Not a bunch of white dudes (laughs) in black rooms. So yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It is a really serious problem, and uh, like you mentioned, when politics get involved, elected people in authority don't really want to solve the problem. So, so much as they want to get reelected. And uh, a lot of folks actually don't really care about the mentally ill if it's not somebody in their family. And they just want right. them locked up. Mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. I felt like in this story, a lot of the statements given by officials were pretty exaggerated. Like, this is the most violent guy we've ever seen. Right. And, you know. Come on, guys. I, yeah. I don't know how dangerous this guy actually was. I mean. Yeah, he did murder someone, but after mm-hmm. almost forty years in a mental hospital, after not hurting anybody, is he is he still dangerous? Uh, I don't know. I don't we'll know. will never know. There's so many conflicting opinions and we we don't we're not there. We haven't spoken to him. We're not psychologists, we're not journalists (laughs) or comedians.
2: That's right. We're nobody. So
1: so I don't know. I (laughs) I just found this story just it it was pretty interesting to me.
2: It was. And um I I I have to admit I've heard the story covered before, but Nobody talked about the justice system. Nobody talked about how the justice system looks at non-white males, especially large, imposing ones, um, who have committed, you know, crimes. Uh, I didn't hear any discussion about drug use and and what that. So, so I I want to let the Fruit Loops Pod Squad know that I'm happy to bring this story to you from our perspective because I hope mm-hmm. that it gives you a bunch of new things to think about and right. um so that you can have conversations with the people in your circles about these kinds of things and wow, yeah. maybe followers to change the world. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? It could <laughs> happen. It could happen. See mom? <clears throat> um anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're going to get into (laughs) uh, how not to get murdered or murdered. Um, So, if you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's new. I like it. (laughs) Hey! So, this segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. But in my mind, this is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's mistakes. Sometimes we have no suggestions for a particular episode and we'll just offer up generic tips. OK, so um, thinking about uh, the one crime that this guy committed, uh, attacking mm-hmm. the lady in the parking lot. Um, I looked mm-hmm. up some tips and I'm just going to read them. Um, so here here they are. <laughs> OK, I'm ready. All right. So park in well-lighted areas near your destination. Avoid parking near strangers, loitering or sitting in vehicles. Remember where you parked so you can return directly to your vehicle. That's a good one.
2: (laughs) Oh my god, you're telling me the other day I was at a meeting for work and I was in a hurry and then the meeting was over and it took me an hour walking through the parking garage in high heels. Couldn't remember where I parked. It was awful Uh, anyway yes
1: remember where you (laughs) parked yeah remember where you parked and and i think there's apps that you can use that will will keep track of where your car is so utilize those if you know what they are so um just google it (laughs) also don't carry a lot of items in your hands when you're walking to and from your vehicle have your vehicle Hmm. key in your hand ready to use and it can also be used as a weapon. Lock your Aww. doors immediately after getting into your vehicle. Avoid talking on the phone and texting while walking to and from your vehicle. Always pay attention. Mm-hmm. And it, when you're talking on the phone or texting, you're not paying attention. Walk confidently and at a steady pace. Make eye contact with people as they pass. Mm-hmm. Give them that fuck you look.
2: <laughs> oh, yes. I know it well.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <Beth. laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Listen to your sixth sense. If you feel uneasy about a situation or a person, walk the other way. Call for help. Ask for an escort. Report the situation to uh, a security guard, wherever you are, whatever. Don't ignore your gut.
2: And that's it. Well, I think those are some... Wonderful tips. I thank you. So uh, now we're going to get into some serial killer and crime news. Now I found an interesting news story on our Facebook discussion group. um, And uh, it popped up in a couple of my timelines, It popped up in our group, but I also saw it on Twitter. Um, So I, 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 Decided to give it a little read. Um, right. but I want to I want to give a shout out to Sasha, who is in our discussion group, who um, I believe posted the story. Um, it's an article titled "The Science of Serial Killers Is Changing." Thanks to um, oh wait, Sasha Reed is the author of the article. Not it's
1: also the girl in our our Facebook group. Not the same Sasha.
2: Really, the there's two Sashas yes. Two Sachas.
1: No! I know.
2: oh okay well that's wonderful I I double I double check that yeah (laughs) oh okay okay. Mm -hmm. well I see you Sasha both of y'all all All right so uh in her in she did an in-depth analysis of uh that can maybe help us understand serial killers more Um, uh, it is it's very intentional says reed as a doctoral candidate in developmental psychology at the university of toronto shout out to canada she is trying to demystify the circumstances that lead people to commit multiple murders this means pouring over their own words from journals and media interviews she believes that these people serial killers are very poorly understood Agreed. That's why we have Froot Loops. Mm -hmm. Reed, who is due to finish her dissertation in May, has so far analyzed about 70 serial killers with her colleagues. Her hope is to reveal when their warped perspectives take root and how this kind of damage can be reversed when it shows up in children, which would be a really, that'd be dope. Um, Little is actually known about how serial killers think and why they develop the way they do. Um, Reed is among a small number of researchers who believe the time has come to probe their minds in exhaustive depth. Um, So uh, she goes on to say in in the article, the thought of six dozen serial killers uh, is an unsettling one. But for Reed, this sample is just the tip of the homicidal iceberg. She's creating a massive database filled with information on 6,000 serial killers from around the world. This involves searching for documentation about 600 different key details. So uh, now, Beth, I know that you love that FBI profiler, but I don't think John his Douglas. criteria included <laughs> 600 key details <laughs> su- such as being bullied or having a father with a history of criminal behavior that may have influenced a person's path to, to, to serial murder. She's also compiling a separate database of people who have gone missing in Canada. Her hope is to create a picture of who these people are and to understand who might have harmed them because hurt people hurt people, right? People who are very poor, mm -hmm, people who are very poorly understood. Um, Reed, who is due to finish her dissertation in May has so far analyzed about 70 serial killers with her colleagues Her hope is to reveal their uh, warped perspectives uh, and when they took root and how this kind of damage can be reversed when it shows up in children, as I mentioned. Um, Notably, serial killers feel like they are constantly being pushed around, mistreated and emasculated. Um, this is not to say that certain behaviors or cultural shifts are to blame for mass murder (laughs) fruit Loops does touch upon that so you're welcome (laughs) Um, some some serial killers did in fact survive horrific abuse as children others weathered much milder situations but still believe their entire world is filled with abuse so it sounds like she hasn't concluded anything definitive yet but she's doing the lord's work by trying to figure this stuff out so i'm hopeful that um, she has a diverse full of pool of cases and i look forward to her final analysis um so mm-hmm. we'll link up to her this article in our show notes if you haven't already seen it in our facebook discussion group so yeah now we are going to get into the part of our show where we shout out any content by any really any minorities uh, and any um true crime goodies so um did you have anything beth i don't no okay well i would like to shout out since we talked about hawaii today uh the offshore podcast Offshore is a podcast uh, storytelling initiative from Honolulu Civic Beat. It's a nonprofit community-supported news outlet serving Hawaii. Um, Their small team of multimedia reporters are dedicated to shining a spotlight on important issues by elevating traditionally unheard voices, kind of like we do. Season three is about the adoption of Hawaiian kids from the Marshall Islands who were Essentially, it sounds like adopted illegally. Now, I've only listened wow. to season three. I didn't. I didn't realize there was a season two and a season one, so I'll have to go back and check those out. And you can too. Um, but uh, season three follows a young man on his quest to find his birth family. Um, it's well done. It's a topic I had heard nothing about before, and it's really, really interesting. So, um, it sounds take a interesting. listen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. So um, where can the people find us, Beth? Our
1: website is FruitLoopsPod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod. And our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. And links to our sources will be in our footnotes. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash app, which you can download to your phone or you can find online at cash.me forward slash dollar sign fruit loops pod or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. This will help us pay for things like our website and pod hosting. There's no minimum and no commitment. Even a dollar would help.
2: That's right, everybody. Now, this is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, guys. It's crazy out there.
1: revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.
3: True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage.